الحمد لله رب العالمين نحمده ونستعينه يا رب لك الحمد كما ينبغي لجلال وجهك ولعظيم سلطانك وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله الواحد الأحد الفرد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا ونبينا وإمامنا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله وصفيه وخليله وما كان الله ليعذبهم وأنت فيهم وما كان الله معذبهم وهم يستغفرون من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له ومن يعتصم بالله فقد هدي إلى صراط مستقيم أما بعد أيها المؤمنون It is beneficial from time to time to revisit some very important aspects of our orientation, our belief system, and our objective as committed Muslims. One of those areas has to do with the relationship between the average Muslim so to speak and those Muslims who have power authority and means of doing things <clears throat> to put this in very simple language so everyone can understand because a lot of the propaganda that circulates around us <clears throat> wants us to, de to be defeated in our own heads, in our own minds, and then every other defeat after that becomes simple and becomes easy. <clears throat> to begin with, let's give an example. Here we are attempting to clarify some ayat in the Qur'an before we get to them. Many Muslims have been preoccupied with the moral aspects of our Iman and our commitment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
And so you'll see many khutbas, many speakers speaking about moral issues, which obviously are basic issues, fundamental issues, and important issues. No one is trying to take away from that aspect. But the problem is they continue to speak about morality night and day, year after year, and century after century, until we reached what we are today. Muslims, and we say alhamdulillah, generally speaking, probably have a moral character that stands out in comparison to other religions and other peoples of faith. But we stop here. We don't go forward. We don't speak about the social responsibilities of Muslims. We don't speak about the consolidation of Muslims. We don't speak about the political and politics in Islam is a clean word. It's not a dirty word. It's simply the arrangement of human affairs. That's one of our responsibilities, but we don't speak about it. And then there's economic and financial and transactional issues. All of these are part and parcel of who we are. But no, our respected speakers in their khutbas, at their conventions, in their halaqat or study groups, in their different types of teaching and learning sessions they speak about endlessly they speak about what amounts to moral and fiqhi issues they begin there and they stop there there's nothing besides that we're taking this a step forward out of our islamic knowledge we should speaking about what is the relationship between those who have Islamic knowledge and those who rule over the Muslims. What is the relationship here? We want to know. <coughs> Islamic organization is an amana. It's a trust. Islamic organization, whatever level it is, it's not just organizing a salah, there's an imam and there's a row of Muslims behind him, that's the only organization we have? We are tasked by Allah Jalla wa'ala to organize life and the planet itself. This organization, this effort, which is obviously a major task, this effort needs the proper knowledge. You can't come to a Muslim who spent all his life listening to lectures and khutbas and sermons about morality you can't come to him and say now you are responsible for 
looking further into how we Muslims can get our house into order. So organizing an Islamic society needs an authority. How, how can this be? First of all, this is everyone's responsibility. It's not the responsibility of a few individuals. It's a responsibility. Every Muslim should feel responsible for organizing society and organizing the world. If your lessons of morality cannot prepare you for this, there's a flaw in you. You have to do something about it. So this organization of society is a trust from Allah to all of us. But all of us cannot be involved, all of us cannot be leaders, all of us cannot be presidents, all of us cannot be officials, all of us cannot be in the capacity that it takes to organize ourselves. So what happens here? We trust others to do this. Remember, it's our responsibility, but for reasons of practical life, we can't do this. All of us cannot be imams. All of us cannot be wuzara, those who, are, who carry the responsibility of a state. We can't. So what we do is we trust certain individuals to do that. When we trust them to do that, this, this is done through shura and through bay'ah. There's two concepts in Islam that are not explained in the traditional masajid and academies of Islamic teaching and education and all of this. There's two concepts. Shura and Bay'ah. These are Quranic concepts. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used these words in the Quran. وَأَمْرُهُمْ شُورَ بَيْنَهُمْ وَشَاوِرْهُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ Okay? Bay'ah. لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الَّذِينَ يُبَايِعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ so these are Quranic concepts that are not fertilized in our thinking minds. Okay, so when we trust certain individuals, remember this trust comes through Ashura and Al Bayah. When we trust certain individuals to do what we are supposed to be doing. We do so with the common understanding that they are subject to us correcting them if they are wrong. If a certain ruler who rules over a Muslim population is going in the wrong direction 
it's not our it's not only our right it is our obligation to tell him wait a minute here you're going in the wrong direction that's when the channels of communication are normal as you know in our world these types of channels of communication are not normal here we come to the ayah وَلْتَكُمْ مِنْكُمْ أُمَّةٌ يَدْعُونَ إِلَى الْخَيْرِ وَيَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَيَنْهَوْنَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ An ayah in Surah Al-Imran that says from among you, meaning you the Muslims, there has to be a consolidated block that authorize and implement al-ma'roof and disestablish and do away with the munkar in such a case those will be successful now if we listen to this ayah and understand it and look at the real world around us we say well, okay who's who's doing this type of thing وَيَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَيَنْهَوْنَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ The Prophet of Allah, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his as he taught us these lessons through a major sacrifice. These lessons don't come to us cheap. There were major sacrifices to have us understand these lessons. He says, لَتَأْمُرُنَّ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَلَتَنْهَوُنَّ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَلَتَأْخُذُنَّ عَلَى يَدِ الظَّالِمِ وَلَتَأْطُرُنَّهُ عَلَى الْحَقِّ أَطَرًا وَلَتَقْصُرُنَّهُ عَلَى الْحَقِّ قَصْرًا أَوْ لَيَضْرِبَنَّ اللَّهُ قُلُوبَ بَعْضِكُمْ بِبَعْضِ وَلَيَلْعَنُكُمْ كَمَا لَعَنَ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ Now this hadith has a couple of other versions but they are similar. The meaning, the general meaning is what is encapsulated in the hadith that I just quoted. The Prophet of Allah teaching us says you most definitely without any reservations should the word that is used by the average translators is enjoin al-ma'roof that is a that is a word that is not accurate Ta'murunna bil ma'ruf means you place yourself in a position to demand and command al ma'ruf. The same way that you put yourself in a position in life, in society, in the real world to disestablish, to undo, to eliminate al munkar. And then here, here's where our guiding prophet 
teaches us our relationship with those who make decisions for us. If those who are making decisions for us are volumes, they do injustice, they are tyrannical, they are despots, there's no shura. They don't have feedback from their own people. Things that are in our real life, this is not something theoretical. This is the real world. He says, You take control of a zalim. This is a, an Arabic phrase which literally translates as you will take the zalim by his hand. And it's said in emphatic linguistic terms. Which means in plain English, you take control of the zalim. This is where people take control of those who rule them. Where have you seen something like that? Look at our Islamic countries. Where they fit in this hadith. And the Prophet doesn't stop here. He goes further. You put him, this zalim, it's your responsibility, O Muslims, to put him in the framework of truth and justice. Al-Haqq. وَلَا تَأْطُرُنَّهُ عَلَى الْحَقِّ أَطَرًا وَلَا تَقْصُرُنَّهُ The Prophet further says وَلَا تَقْصُرُنَّهُ عَلَى الْحَقِّ قَصَرًا And you will limit and inhibit him to the boundaries of truth and justice. This is a relationship that Allah Azza wa Jal and his beloved Prophet may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his this is what they are saying to us now what if we don't do that well the Prophet didn't leave this out he said if you don't do that he says further in this same hadith أو لَيَضْرِبَنَّ اللَّهُ قُلُوبَ بَعْضِكُمْ بِبَعْضِ Or else, Allah is going to cause your hearts, your psychologies to clash with each other. A fact of life. We see this coming true in real life. أَوْ so why is it that we are divided? Why is it that our hearts cannot come together? Because our relationship with those who are making decisions for us is not the relationship that Allah and His Prophet are outlining in the ayat and in the hadiths. أَوْ لَيَضْرِبَنَّ اللَّهُ قُلُوبَ بَعْضِكُمْ بِبَعْضِ وَلَيَلْعَنُكُمْ And Allah, and Allah's la'na 
is going to be upon you. Allah is going to condemn and curse you because of this attitude. You are not able to speak truth to power. وَلَيَلْعَنُكُمْ كَمَا لَعَنَ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ The same way he condemned Bani Israel. Now, another ayah, this ayah is Al-A'raf 1665. فَلَمَّا نَسُوا مَا ذُكِّرُوا بِهِ أَنْجَيْنَا الَّذِينَ يَنْهَوْنَ عَنِ السُّوءِ when society becomes oblivious of our revealed consciousness to them. We have those who are active in their disestablishment of evil we have them rescued. And we take those who are guilty of injustice and tyranny with an awful infliction Another ayah kuntum khayra ummatin ukhrijat linnas ta'muruna bil ma'ruf wa tanhawna 'anil munkar You are a better ummah provided you do these two things ta'muruna bil ma'ruf so how can someone in our day come and say we the Muslims we are the best ummah in the world yeah look at yourself look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying about us and what the Prophet is commenting on about us and you dare say we are the best ummah in the world when our relationship with our own decision makers has gone awry. Now, these are not theoretical things, as I said. Did we have something like this in the first generation of Muslims? Yes, we had. When the first successor to Allah's Prophet assumed that responsibility, the highest office, in the Muslim land, he said, In ahsantu fa'ati'uni, wa in asa'tu fa'qawimuni. There's another way, another narrative of the same meaning, basically. In ahsantu fa'a'inuni. If I'm doing what is best, help me. The ruler is telling his people, help me if I'm doing what is best. وَإِنْ أَسَأْتُ فَقَوِّمُونِ 
If I'm doing what is wrong, you correct me. أَطِيعُونِي مَا أَطَعْتُ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهِ فِيكُمْ Obey me as long as I obey Allah and His Messenger concerning you. Did you ever hear a ruler in our time and in our days speak to their people using these meanings? They can phrase it whichever way they want, in whichever language they want, but to stick to these meanings that are taught by Allah's Prophet and coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. The second ruler, what did he say when he assumed that responsibility? مَنْ رَأَى مِنْكُمْ Whoever of you, he's speaking to the Muslims. And remember, he's speaking to them without guards, without security contingents without go, having to go through two, three, four layers of you have to be checked and all of this. So those who criticize the khulafa of Rasulullah, be careful what you say. He said, مَنْ رَأَى مِنْكُمْ فِيَّ any one of you who sees me zigzagging, you set me straight. It's your responsibility to set me straight. Who do we have in the Muslim world who can say, with the same conditions, standing without any guards, with his own people saying, the same meaning and as open as that society was a nomad comes up to the second successor to Allah's Prophet and he says Wallahi ya Umar law ra'ayna fika wijajan laqawwamnahu bihaddi suyufina he said, Wallah, by Allah, if we see you zigzagging, going this way and that way, we would set you straight with the blades of our swords. Now imagine someone like that saying something to one of these rulers today, especially in that decadent Arabian Peninsula. Saying something like that to one of these rulers, what would they do? What did he do? What did he say? He said, Alhamdulillahi alladhi ja'ala fi ummati Muhammad man yuqawwimu umara bisayfah. He thanked Allah that in the ummah of Muhammad there is such that will correct and set Umar straight with the blades of their swords. That's, well, you can say, that's brutal justice. Another person comes up to him and says, Ittaqillaha ya Umar. Be conscious of Allah's power presence, O Umar. 
Another person hearing this says to him, How do you say such a thing to Amir al-Mu'mineen? I mean, it's like saying, how dare you say that to him? He says, Omar is listening to both of them speaking. He says to them, and listen, listen carefully. Because we don't have these types. لا خير فيكم إن لم تقولوها ولا خير فينا إن لم نسمعها You're no good if you don't say it. You meaning the Muslim public. You're no good if you don't say it. If you don't tell your ruler اتقيلاه And there's no good in us, meaning those who rule, there's no good in us if we don't listen to it. Where do you have? Tell me, where do you have? Especially in that condemned governmental setup in the Arabian Peninsula, where do you have any ruler who can fit into the size of the rulers that we had when we had rulers who reported to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to his prophet aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum ud'uhu subhana wa antum ala yaqeen bil ijaba wa tubu ila Allah إن الله تواب رحيم الحمد لله بجميع المحامد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Dear committed brothers and dear committed sisters Taking into consideration what was just expressed in the first khutbah we now are going to shed light from a position of responsibility. Remember, we're responsible for correcting these rulers. Whether it's a verbal correction or whether it's a correction that goes beyond that. When they are doing something wrong, we have to point that out. So what do we have happening in the real world now? One of the major Saudi preachers, his name is Muhammad al-Arifi. In this past week, he, his son was detained. They took his son to prison. Now remember, he is a spokesperson for the regime. We don't know what the future will have. We can just speak about the past. Maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the future may have some redeeming value for these types. Only Allah knows. 
But his son was taken to prison. Why? What, what, what did he do? What did his son do? The authorities there accused his son of sympathy with al-Ikhwan al-Muslimin, the Muslim Brotherhood, as if that's a crime. Over there, having sympathy, if you're a son of one of the establishmentarian preachers and your son expresses sympathy with an organization that they classified as a terrorist organization, they haul you out to prison. So he's added to the hundreds of others who now are languishing in prison. This kingdom, this Saudi kingdom, just put together its yearly budget, which amounted to over a trillion Saudi riyals to come to the dollar figure, you roughly divide that by 3.8 or whatever the Saudi riyal is vis-a-vis the dollar, and you'll come out with the dollar figure, probably around a third of a trillion dollars. For the first time, for the first time, that satanic kingdom has worked into its budget a deficit of $35 billion. Does that tell you something about those who are ruling over us? We speak about that particular kingdom because it has colonized Mecca and Al-Medina. In the past couple of days, or so, the American embassy and the American consulate in Saudi Arabia put out on the, in their social media, Twitter or whatever it is, a call for the Saudi people to peacefully demonstrate against their government. You ask yourself, why is this going on? Our first concern should be, why are they doing this? And what is the response going to be? You think the those who are in charge over there, the Saudi functionaries, you think they don't they don't know what's going on? They haven't seen this? And you fe- you think that they don't feel like they're being trapped? Someone is trying to trap them. What if this, remember they were, we all were speaking about the Arab Spring, a sahwa, just a few years ago? That Arab Spring did not touch the Arabian Peninsula, basically. There was a little something going on in Bahrain, a little something going on in Oman. But basically speaking, it did not rile the the peoples of the Arabian Peninsula. Can't these officials who are imposed upon their own people and imposed upon the rest of the Muslims because of Mecca and Al-Medina and Al-Hijaz 
and the history of Islam, can they figure out that someone is going to stab them in the back? But this is what happens when we Muslims cannot speak truth to them. What is one voice or five voices or a couple of dozen voices in the whole world? What is that going to do when two billion Muslims are silent concerning their crimes and misdemeanors in the Arabian Peninsula? And then we have in Saudi Arabia what's called Majlis Shura. It's a joke. They have no shura there. These are rubber stampers. But anyways, one of their discussions in that Majlis Shura is to give women freedom to participate in sports. Brothers and sisters, this is real. We are being killed, literally. We are being killed. Almost in every Muslim country you're looking at, we are being killed. And this Majlis al-Shura is concerned, so concerned with the affairs of the Muslims that it wants to give Muslim women in Arabia the freedom to pursue sports. This is where we are in the real world. And this is in the larger program in which that corrupt regime is promoting all types of sports there's a marathon sport that's going to have some worldwide participation there's some type of boxing sport in which they are going to offer the muhammad ali clay prize too and so on and so forth now we go to other parts of the muslim world which the Muslim public, by and large, has not been involved in. And we know the tide is turning, and the future is brighter than the past. But in the immediate moment, what do we have? We have an Israeli strategic affairs minister. What does he say? This should be mentioned in every khutbah on Friday. He says, kill all the Palestinians, and I quote here, he says, because they are just Nazis anyhow. If we Muslims, if we don't mention something like this, we can't expect the mainstream media to highlight something, to, to make mention of something like this, so it goes unnoticed. They say publicly what they want to say and they do what they want to do and no one is there to just expose them with the facts, with the truth. We are even incapable of doing something like that. There have been, in another part of the Muslim world, eight people who have been killed in mass demonstrations throughout Sudan. What's going on? Is that a blind spot? We can't figure out what's going on there. The president of Sudan went to Syria this past week. Some interpret that as being the first step 
in having Syria rejoin the Arab League, the other Arabian nation states. And there's a planned visit of the Syrian foreign minister going to Tunisia. If we remain empty-headed about pertinent information, we can expect more blows. The Egyptian government took away its citizenship from one of its own citizens. Why? Because she decided to gain Israeli citizenship. This is a government that is speaking back and forth with the Israelis and they can become Israeli loyalists at the highest level. Those who are ruling, they're more Zionist than the Zionists. But an Egyptian lady decides she wants to become an Israeli citizen and they take away her citizenship. We the people cannot take away their positions and they take away from us our citizenship. This is not endorsing any type of it. We, if we were an Islamic organized people in the world, we'd have one citizenship. What's the, all of these other citizenships doing? It's like modern tribalism. The president of Iraq, not the, the prime minister, because some people get confused here. The president of Iraq, his name is Barham Saleh and he's a Kurd decided this week that he wants to do away with his British citizenship. Now, how many of us knew that the president of Iraq was a British citizen? We didn't know it until he finally said, well, now I've become the president of Iraq, and because I'm the president, I cannot hold British citizenship. He gained that citizenship when he was an opponent of the Iraqi government and a student in England back in the 1980s. But here we are. How many, how many of our leaders have on paper dual or triple citizens or citizenships? How many of them? Another blank here. We're not very sure. From time to time, something pops up just like this news item. And now we are aware. Oh, this is, this is what's happening. One of the major issues we have is words. And this is, I have to say, to be honest, a good khutbah was given today in Mecca. This doesn't occur often. But it was, at least in some of its components, a good khutbah. One of the points that was made in that khutbah is that we, the Muslims, we have abandoned the language of the Qur'an. That's a fact. He was incensed that he goes down to the market or goes down among the public and he realizes many of these individuals are using foreign words. And he says the language of the Qur'an is a special language. And if those who speak the language of the Qur'an are beginning to abandon the language of the Qur'an, then what's left? 
Imagine if the Quran was the Quranic language was not a popular language. Imagine if it was only a clergy language. We'd become almost exactly like Bani Israel. We'd lose our language. And this is what's going on. In maybe some of you don't know this, maybe some of you do know. But Al Khamar is a Quranic word. And it is a word that has very negative connotations. But it's translated in the mainstream language in many newspapers and magazines and books, etc., as spirits. There's nothing wrong. Spirits? I like the word. If you like the word, that's a first step to liking the substance or its actual thing. Riba is another Quranic word. But they call it interest. See, another way of trying to sell you what the Quran prohibits, what Allah prohibits. Dancing is called art. Terrorism is called jihad. Chutzpah is called pride. Leading people to kill is called a fatwa. And those who issue killing orders are called shuyukh. This is how damaging they have made their presence in our own language and in our own minds. A language doesn't exist without a people. Has anyone heard of a language that doesn't have a people? And a people cannot exist without a language. Have you ever heard of a people that don't have a language? That's where they want us to be. A people without a language or a language without a people. After they have that task accomplished, they can come and take our lands and they can come and take our holy sites and they can come and take our countries and everything else. Because initially they took our minds. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'ha wa arina al-batila batilan warzuqna ijtinaabah wa la taj'alhu multabisan alayna waj'alna lilmuttaqina imama Allahumma ahdina fiman hadayt wa'afina fiman afayt وتولنا فيمن توليت وبارك لنا فيما أعطيت وقنا شر ما قضيت فإنك تقضي ولا يقضى عليك وإنه لا يذل من وليت ولا يعز من عاديت تباركت ربنا وتعاليت فلك الحمد على ما قضيت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك وصلى الله على محمد وآل محمد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم 
والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة اللهم اكبر الله اكبر اشهد ان لا اله الا الله اشهد ان محمدا رسول الله حي على الصلاه حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاه قد قامت الصلاه الله اكبر الله اكبر لا اله الا الله اللهم رب هذه 